the dude abides. And you better abide too by listening to this episode. <laughs> Iggy Pop! Amen! Let him write! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy. That's a painting. Whoever she is, I'm gonna find her and I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish! <laughs> I'm always home, I'm on cool. This is a process of dehypnotization. Shut, 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 shut up! I invited some girls. Hope you guys don't know. Yeah. Bunny. Hey. Bunny. <laughs> I'll suck your cock. You invited Tara Reed. I bet that wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll do it for 30 bucks. <laughs> is Carson Daly going to be there? Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> is, that a, is that a Josie and the Pussycats reference? Wait, no. She, like, dated him for, like, nine years. Oh, is that why he was in jo- Was that before or prior to Josie and the Pussycats? Might you know that scene? Have you ever seen that movie? No. Oh. <laughs> like, why would tipping I? Your why hand, would I? Kyle, tipping your hand. <laughs> wow. I did. I did see Josie and the Pussycats. I used to rent that all the time from the Old Japan Library for some reason. I can think of a couple reasons. I can think of three notable reasons why you probably rented that movie. I love all three leads in that film. Terry, who is it? Terry Reed, Rosario Dawson, and I always forget and her name. Rachel, Rachel something. Yeah, Rachel. Uh, uh, I like her. She's the one. She's all the, that. The she's really the mousy yeah, one. Yeah, she's all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's her. Freddie, Freddie Prince Senior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was all that before she took her glasses off. By the way. Yeah, totally. Not Jamie no. Briggs. She's got glasses and a ponytail. <laughs> Ew. Uh, Paul Walker has this line in that film where he's like, "Oh, check out the bobos on her." Like, <laughs> oh god, bobo. <laughs> 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 anyway, hi Hoff fans. Welcome, welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Summer Hoffman. As always, I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. Got a guest today, Kyle, we got a guest. Indeed we do. He goes by the name of, well, I don't know exactly, what, you go by so many names, but I'll just go with Christopher Leon Mengen. That's perfect. Yeah. What's happening? Uh, not much. Not much. What is your artist name? Uh, I would say I go by Leon, probably. Just Leon, like you yeah. sign your your. Perfect. Your, no last your name. famous landscapes, Leon. <laughs> I don't want to be recognized in the street. Oh, so just a solo <laughs> name, not even Leon Mangan, just Leon. That's it. Just yeah. Leon. That's All nice. Right. I like or it. Or the artist formerly known as. <laughs> <laughs> I've known you since. So I've known Leon since college, but, I mean. Do you want to give a, give a quick story of that, how that came? I did, you tricked all of us. We were in the same fraternity. Yeah, well, I mean, when we first met, our eyes just yeah. Co- connected. Yeah, uh, it was magic. The room. We, we floated that. across the room like, <laughs> like Jeff Bridges in his dream sequence. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought it would be funny to tell everyone, uh, my name's Leon. Uh, you know, going to college is your first time being immersed <laughs> a bunch, uh, with a bunch of strangers, so. Yeah. You had one home friend, Danny Lane. Right. That knew your name, and you said, Danny Lane. I, I got him in. That's so awesome. Wow. So I figured I would uh, just see how long I got away with it for, and it lasted for about eight months. You told us the day before April Fool's Day. I you didn't least... I didn't tell everyone the day oh, okay. before April Fool's Day. I was questioned about it the day before April Fool's Day, and I decided not to lie. I was going to come clean. You know, oh, okay. as soon as the, I, as soon as someone started guilt. questioning yeah. it, I was just going to come clean. And, uh, 
it actually took a while for you guys to believe it. You, yeah. You just thought I had printed up a fake license yeah. with a different name. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. I, I've heard you called like a million different yeah, things. Yeah, your home friends also call you like Chip. Right. 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 Uh, my real name is Christopher, though. Okay. I hate that name. Yeah. It's a good so choice. Vanilla. Christ. <laughs> the Christ bearer. The Christ. The, the Jesus. Christ bearer. The Jesus. And when it. I think of you, I think of, of someone who bears the true, yeah. the true I, Jesus. See, I worship the, the crown devil, of thorns. So that's not, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty weird. Uh, so, Kyle, why don't you tell everyone about Leon's connection? Yeah, so we mentioned at the podcast. end of the last episode, but... The, Hey man, you you did us a solid. You've done me solids in the past as far as artwork, but you came. We asked you, erotic and you came artwork. up. Er, yeah, well, that's private. <laughs> you came up with some original artwork for our podcast. That's right, I did. So, yeah. So everyone who sees our awesome logo, you have uh, Christopher to thank, <laughs> <laughs> or Leon. <laughs> Just Leon. It's the artwork, so Leon. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you guys had reached out to me to do this, and I have always had a secret love connection with Philip Seymour Hoffman, ever since, actually, The Big Lebowski. Which oh. um, leads us to the question we always ask our guests. Is this the first place you kind of saw him as an actor? Or, or yes, I him? actually, I never really looked into him after this movie. I loved Brant as a character. <laughs> he was one of my favorite characters. And any time I talked to anyone about this movie, I would bring up Brant. And nobody ever knew what I was talking about. Wow. They were like, who the hell is that? And the, so mo- like, the oh, movie. like, oh, the awkward yeah. assistant. And, and that's the movie we're talking about today. Right. Yeah. The well, we haven't Lebowski. said it yet. Oops. That was a good segue. Yeah. The Big Lebowski. Yes. The Big Lebowski, a cult classic. This movie is a titan among movies i've watched this movie several times and just like again watching it and paying much more attention you know for the podcast and doing the research i just went wow this movie like i mean i get it like at some points you do want to be like i don't like this movie because just so many people like this is my favorite movie and it just feels Mm. like you know there was even a store in greenwich village at one point that just sold there I I just read in trivia I read that it closed, oh, but it did? might it might be there. I don't know. Oh, I was, thought I thought I passed it. Was, it yeah, recently. yeah, me too. Maybe yeah, it did there's close. this little store in Greenwich Village that sells just yeah, the Big Lebowski like merchandise. So that's crazy. And, but and, it, and no, I know where you're coming from. Like the hipster in me kind of sometimes wants to hate this movie. Yeah, you know, because so many people like people who I. This is gonna sound so snobbish, but people whose film opinions I like do not respect love this movie. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, screw that, you know. Yeah. But I think you hit on a key thing, Kyle. I think the more times you watch it, the better it gets. Yeah, it's just... This is one of the most... You know, it's not... It it is a comedy, obviously, but it's not like a Will Ferrell comedy. You know? But, which, you know, and I say that because I'm about to say, this is an extremely quotable movie. And you have movies, you know, like Anchorman, Talladega Nights, like those, I think of those, or even let's go with Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler movies. Like, those are comedies that have crazy quotes. But this movie, like, as far as, like, and again, I like to break things up into movies and films. This is a film that is insanely quotable. I don't think there's a scene you can't quote. In yeah, this movie. I, that's the whole thing. Like, my, like I was just writing down every little thing. There's so many quick little in-between scenes. Well, Look, it gets 81% around Tomatoes. That was lower That's than I a thought. rape on... Um, no, but I, I get I it to an extent. And I'm probably going to be the bad guy in this podcast here. That's fine. But set you got to set the tone and set the scene of when this movie came out. 
Fargo is the Coen Brothers movie before this. Fargo is really what I know. Raising Arizona, and there's all they have all these hits and all these like funny things. But Fargo set them like, wow, these guys are like Oscar winner types, you know. And then you come back with The Big Lebowski, and you can tell people are kind of confused, you know. Just because you mentioned Fargo, I want to, as I always say, a little bit of trivia for movies. The whole shut the fuck up, Donnie, you know how that came to be? You know why they wrote that? Because they felt that um, Steve Buscemi's character was so chatty in Fargo that the, this whole time they wanted a character to <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Shut the fuck that's up. great. That's, that's great. That's yeah. awesome. I did not. I know love that. that. That's just like when people that are creating their own worlds, because these guys, you know, like it's Joel Cohen credited as the director, but. You Is know, he they, always they credited usually, as the director? Not yeah, always. Yeah. Like, so in, definitely, again, for. Because they won for um, No Country for Old Men, and they both won, and that was a rare case that, like, you know, they were both given. Like, it was credited as the Cohen, like, directors, the Cohen brothers. Why or Joel, do or that with all Joel the movies? I, I, it's like the DGA. Yeah, it's like you gotta America. play ball with the DGA and shit. Like, all, po- all Hollywood and union politics. But, you know, they clearly... Like, at that both, level, yeah. yeah. Like, now the Cohen brothers can be like, screw you. This yeah. is what we wanted to. Where the Cohen brothers yeah. were doing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they both wrote this film. And then John Deacons is a DP. He's one of the most, like, famous DPs. Now, ever. I don't know if you read this, Kyle, but this is not at the top of, like, the Coen Brothers' personal list of favorite movies they've done. They're not the biggest fans of this film. And that's hilarious because, like, actors, again, like, I read, like, actors like John Goodman, like, they, like he credits this as his favorite role. And this is John Goodman credits yeah. this as his favorite, that's like, role. That's the dude role from Roseanne, right? Well, favorite, this is my yeah. favorite John Goodman role, so <laughs> I might have talked him into it. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, even recently, Jeff Bridges got a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and... John Goodman showed up and read it as like Walter and said to my buddy the dude and it's just like that's just that just makes me feel good that it must have been a know? fun movie to make as actors yeah. for sure I, maybe you know Woody Allen hates Annie Hall you know sure like okay the, oh I, I see where you're going this okay. happens a lot yeah it's maybe it's the hipster and the directors too like this movie has gotten such it's weird to call it a cult classic because it's not really underground especially if it's made by the you know, it's a movie after Fargo made by the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. But it's a cult classic in a sense that, like, it, was, it didn't do well in the theaters. Uh-huh. It was, like, lukewarm reception by critics. And then over time, as people watched this film, they're like, wow, this is this is freaking awesome. Well, yeah. That's also it. And you don't know, you know, what did they put into it. Uh, not to say that, you know, they didn't put their heart and soul into this movie. But, you know, maybe they did pour their heart and soul into something else that hasn't raised, you know, such the following that the Big Lebowski yeah, has. No, I mean, and they're kind of, you, you know, know. butthurt over the fact <laughs> that, like, why why isn't our best work being recognized well, this was while the Big Lebowski is, you know? This was written when Barton Fink was written. Before, oh, really? Before Fargo. Is that why, like, it takes place at the to- like, time? Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know just Sam Elliott's like... This is in the early '90s. So I think Leon, you hit, you hit the, you might be right. Like you might have hit the nail on the head. We can't like I was gonna say hit the nail on the head, but we can't really put words in their mouth. Right. right. But you might be right there. Where this was kind of like a back burner project for them. Um, it's not that they hate it. I'm sure they don't hate it, but, but like, they don't. You know, they don't do a lot of interviews. From from what the interviews they've done on it, they've kind of been like lukewarm about it, which is funny because everyone you meet loves this movie. Yeah, like anyone that's seen this, I. 
I've never met someone that's seen this movie and didn't like it. Like again, I feel like I'm gonna be the hater on this podcast. Like I don't, I definitely don't hate this movie, but you're just gonna, yeah, you're gonna play the. Um... Yes, I guess I'll play a little bit of the devil's advocate yeah. here. Um, it's definitely though, it's definitely a film that the more you watch, the more you like. I hadn't seen it in a while. Again, we always ask this question, but I'm assuming we all saw it before. Yeah, we're yes. not just okay. Yeah. <laughs> this was my first time watching. Uh... Um, I I've, seen... I, I've never seen it. <laughs> you, it was just your favorite from like clips. Yeah, like, like, you know, YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of if if you've never saw it, if you do live under a rock, Kyle. What's this film about? What is The Big Lebowski about? <laughs> Tell our like. audience. So The Big Lebowski is about a character named The Dude. Or that's his nickname. His real name is Jeffrey Lebowski. And he's not The Big Lebowski. No, he is not The Big Lebowski. And that's really like the whole catalyst of this movie is that these goons show up to, you know, it's played by Jeff Bridges, The Dude, and they show up to his little shitty apartment and... They piss on his rug, and they totally, and they even recognize there that you know it's, this is the wrong place. But this just sets off a whole chain of events where we get to meet the dude's two loyal companions of Walter and Donnie, and they get involved into this whole world that is just out of their realm of the Big Lebowski, this millionaire, and then his daughter who runs the you know trust funds, and then there's a kidnapping, and then there's different ransoms, and it's just. I, there is no way to describe this movie besides just chaos. Everybody's out of their element, if you will. <laughs> Thank you. That's the perfect end to the summary. Everyone's <laughs> out of their element. Very true. And you mentioned some people in the cast. Great cast here. Tremendous cast. This, honestly, uh, it, I, you know, Boogie Nights is still one of my favorite films of all time. As far as the films that we've done this podcast, this movie gives the big, the big gives Boogie Nights a run for its money. Especially in cast department, you've got... Well, we have two people from Boogie Nights, right? Yes. We've got, well, obviously, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's and then, the one. And That's then, our boy right and there. And then Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore? Oh, I love her character in this movie. Right. She's naked again. And she, yeah, exactly. She does not... Julianne Moore does not mind nudity, and I don't mind that she doesn't mind nudity. But we've got Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, David Hulson, if you're not clear who that is, that's a big Lebowski, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tara Reid, Peter Stormon, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Is that the Tara Reed from Sharknado? Yes, that is the Tara okay. Reed from Sharknado. Just checking. Wait, and Carson Daly's girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> and then John Turturro, uh, David, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he was just in Wonder Woman, Thules, Thulis, and Who's then he? Sam he Elliott. Play? He's just, he's Knox Harrington. He's Who the hell's Knox the, Harrington? He's in the scene with, um, with Maud. And he's the one that's like, oh. oh, okay, I like that guy. Uh, that, that, yeah, uh, exactly. Every like that is one. There's just so many. See, every scene in this movie, I love. It really, it's like every scene is just a rich tapestry, and sometimes for just like one-off characters, like yeah. the, for instance, the police officer after the dude is at Jackie Treehorn's, mm-hmm. and we even see Jackie Treehorn just once, right? Well, this yeah. movie just has tremendous... Well, his name comes up throughout the movie. Yes. Yeah, you only meet him at the garden party that night. And, the, like, the biggest thing I want to say is this movie possibly has the greatest, is the greatest movie for character introductions. If you really think about how each character is introduced, and this, again, like, falls into, I'm going to really compare it to Boogie Nights in the sense of ensemble, and there's and a big thing we talked about in the Boogie Nights episode with Zach Bressler is that there's... You know, like, 
it's not like there's a big wrap up, but there's payoffs for each character. Each character doesn't feel like there's just like a you know just like fizzles off or whatever. You know what I'm saying? The, uh, yes, they're all so well developed. Even and I would bring this up. You know when I mentioned Brant as one of my favorite characters in any movie. And people were like, who the hell is Brant? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but it was Brant and Larry Sellers, <laughs> the kid that they're yelling at with the homework. That's hilarious. The, this kid's face just literally blew me away. And I cannot stop laughing anytime that scene's on. I can't stop laughing just because <laughs> of his face. And if you think about it, his character development is even so deep with his father in, you know, the chamber off in yeah. the living room. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, the iron the, lung. Yeah. yeah, everything, everything, like every character. And a in this good movie, day to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like everything is, like, they've just encompassed everything. They've answered every one well, of your questions think, with each character. Yeah, in I this think movie. what people really like about this movie, that's what I tried. I tried to watch it and say, what do people love about this movie? Even, like, subtly. And I think it's how detail oriented it is. Yes. In a fun way. It's almost it. You know, so it takes place. We, we, I mean, it starts off with this. You know, the tumbling weed song, which is just a great use. Like it just really, the dude is a well, like in a sense, is like a tumbling weed. But you've got the one of the greatest voices of all time, and Sam Elliott doing this great. You know, just his voice. His voice, but it's a cowboy. Man. Yeah. What's his character's man. name? Because. Um, uh, he's credited the credits, as right. the stranger. The stranger, okay. I, I just I put God question <laughs> mark. <laughs> but uh, like, it starts off with his voiceover, and you know, he just gives this. You know, is he a hero? You know, he's lazy. He's the dude. You know, it's just like there's just this fantastic. You know, like, and we just see him. We see the dude in the supermarket, and then he writes a check for like sixty-seven cents. So it's just like right away between his wardrobe, which the jellies that he's wearing this like you know like the clear sandals those are jeff bridges like, he just like he was like he like what we talk it? about this this is something he has in common with philip Seymour hoffman is that like he wardrobe really chose, he chooses yeah. word. that's really cool yeah. i don't know if you read this because you're like the trivia guy uh, i just i was reading and i don't remember who he was like we always mention this but he was like 30th in line for the role here yeah, there was a lot of people. Like, for, like they wrote it for Marlon Brando, which is crazy. <laughs> That's insane. Jeff Bridges is amazing as the dude. Like I, I just recognize that so much more now. Like he is just such. It's a career-defining role. Like it's. I mean, look, he's he's been a he was a great actor since the seventies. Of course, yeah. But you just, I mean, like you know the dude. You know him. You know, I, it's it's so a defining role, yeah. and I mean, honestly, being the amazing actor that he is, yeah. But still, you watch any movie. I, I remember going to see True Grit in the theaters, and obviously, he's very far removed from the dude <laughs> yes, character, yes. but you still kind of feel that dude essence, like yeah. almost like it's actually a part of Jeff Bridges as a person. Even him, uh, like he had to shave his head, like he's. It was very famous for always just having like those locks, you know, like shoulder yeah. length, long hair, and he shaved that to be the bad guy in Iron Man, and just even like moments in that where he's just being like, "Yeah, Tony, that that's just the way he talks." <laughs> like it's just night, this, Tony. he's the West Coast Christopher Walken you know in that, his like cadence in a way. You know that scene where it always like kind of freaks me out in Iron Man where you just see like his like chest hair and he's like good night Tony yeah. like, Skyping that was very dude like to me despite like he doesn't look like the dude but he's acting like the dude there you know 
That's perfect. <laughs> By the way, I just want to say at any points, if you hear slurping and chingalinging, that's us enjoying some white Russians. Yes, yes. We decided to enjoy this episode with right, white Russians. Pay homage to the dude. White Russians are one of these um, like things from this movie that have just like transcended the film. You know? just, yeah, into like pop culture. Like, if there was stocks and white Russians, <laughs> they would have soared after the Big Lebowski. Well, I think... He also calls it a Caucasian. Now, if, if the Coen <laughs> brothers told you to buy stock in white Russians before the Big Lebowski came out, would that be insider trading? Yes. If the Coen brothers talked to you, <laughs> Kyle, I mean... I would. <laughs> that would be amazing, too. Um, I, have a, I have a friend of mine who watched this movie and who only... Not only, but almost only drinks white Russians now. Really? Yes. Well, they which, taste we, like ice cream. They're delicious. They are delicious. <laughs> I should. I should uh, but tell he should, it. Yeah. He should chase that with water. Um, <laughs> maybe have some orange juice in the no, morning. No, no, no. It's <laughs> not good to yes. only. Drink I didn't mean milk. only drink it like you know, <laughs> like it's baby formula and he's a child. I, I didn't mean that. Um, the best part of waking up <laughs> is a white Russian in your cup. I should mention. I should just be fair that my white Russian contains almond milk because I'm slightly lactose intolerant. Yeah, so you said thing. it didn't dilute the vodka as well. It doesn't dilute the vodka as well, so I apologize for the later remarks on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and Leon and I already had two before, <laughs> so, or like one before Brian had his first, so we're four shots deep. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, gonna so, get, it's gonna get gritty. Yeah. You know what I love about the white Russians in the film? (laughs) This is like one of those attention to detail things, the white Russians in the film. Yeah. They're slightly a different color in every scene. They're much lighter, correct? Sometimes they're lighter, sometimes they're more of the brown element. Yeah. And that's like realistic, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like he makes it for himself, he has it at the bar. And they're very lazily made. This isn't like mixologist white Russians, yeah. theoretically. And, you know, it's just one of the, the, the tells here. This one to of, me, one of my favorite parts of this movie is actually how everybody, anywhere the dude goes, has the ingredients for a white Russian. Because <laughs> I have honestly never been anywhere that has the ingredients for a white Russian unless it's specifically bought, you know, for the occasion. I've, but anywhere he goes, they have everything. Yeah, needed. like, who has, like, like milk stuff? Who has heavy cream? That's the yeah, 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 right. whole thing. I've been to bowling alleys, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna be that guy right now. I want a white Russian. They're like, we don't have milk. I'm like, you don't have... Oh, that makes sense here. Why would you have milk? Like, <laughs> right. I brought my own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, this, this film, by the way, is, to me, more Raising Arizona than Fargo. Another there we go. We were talking earlier. Great comedies of the Coen Brothers. It's one of their earliest and one. Of the Raising best, Arizona, so. you're saying? Yeah, Raising Arizona. Yeah, fantastic. but do you agree with that? Like, it's more that than like a Lewin Davis. Yeah, it's more, or even uh, Lewin Davis or, is similar or, because or, like there's like a or even let's go with that. another like comedy burn after reading yes like it's yes, much okay it's, or like hail caesar it's not like that yeah you know? no it's definitely so yeah it's definitely in the range of raising arizona because it's again i i don't know if i finished what i was gonna say but it takes place in la but it does this world building of like it feels just like and it's like they've built it from scratch you know what i'm saying like it's just this whole in absolutely it's so much of a like a microverse there's a, there's a, when i say cartoon i don't mean like like cartoon cartoon i would be but, fine if you said it was like but, a looney tunes episode no, I completely yeah. agree but there's with that. a cartoonish element about certain coen brothers films and you definitely see it here and i think that 
first-time watchers, certain first-time watchers, and that's why like it has an 81%, which is great on Rotten Tomatoes, but yeah. like, not where we think it should be. I think a lot of first-time watchers um, are like watching this for like the plot, you know? Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's absurd. That dream was weird, you know? And it's just like... No, it's just like... Once every... you get into it, it's, that doesn't matter so much. Yeah. That's something actually the Coen brothers said. Like, plot is the last thing they cared about in this film. And oh, not that I it has see. a bad plot. No, but it is a very, like, spiderweb story mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, I mean, I don't find the plot so unbelievable. No, no, it's really not. But it's, it's again, if you're looking at it with, like, a scientific view... Yeah, like, the very a very structured... Like traditional screenplay, which you know I don't it, like to it do. Is, no, it is not. It is. It has many tangents, but again, that's all fine if you have the payoffs or just like these strong characters. It doesn't have to be. In the end, you have most times you have plot or like character-based movies, and this is clearly a character-based movie. Ye- absolutely. Yeah, but the plot isn't absent. No, no, by any means. It just uh, keeps like unfolding, or you know what? I mean, it very is uh, like much like a almost like a noir detective. Well, well, yeah. Did they base it on um, like Raymond Chandler stories and yeah. stuff? And it, it is, it's like an ac- I call it an accidental film noir. You know? Yeah, you know what it yeah. reminds me of? That Had, sounds about right. Have has everyone seen uh, P.T. Anderson's Inherent Vice? Oh yeah, I when I yes. was watching this, I was like. Inherent this is vice. an early, yeah. Inherent vice. It really like is. He, I don't care what he says. He definitely like was inspired by the Big Lebowski a little bit here. Sure, I mean, Inherent Vice was like a book beforehand. So, mm-hmm. but but I but I I under, I know you're not saying that, but I totally get. No, it. not like, not so much story, but it's yeah. definitely like a kind of out there and uh, protagonist. Mm-hmm. I'm not. This isn't. I don't. Not sure if this is true in Inherent Vice, but the dude is in every scene. Oh. Every scene. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. It's crazy. Mm. I, w- I was like counting that, and then I looked it up after. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I like that. There's very few movies that are like that. Something like in the spectrum of that, th- he meets a lot of characters in this, in this movie, but one of, I'm already slurring, characters. <laughs> characters. 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 And, uh... But very few of them actually call him the dude. And Brant, because I want to get to our main man, he's one of the of people that actually from the beginning. Refers yeah, from the to ref- him from the beginning when he again. asks to be called the dude or just refers to him as the dude, Brant then like obliges. So, so even in the limo. So set the scene. We meet Brant pretty early. Ten minutes in, Philip Seymour Hoffman. So build build to that. So like I said, in the beginning, we get the tumbling weed, we get Sam Elliott's voiceover, we see the dude, but then we get intruders, and we learn that uh, they're saying his wife owes money to Jackie Treehorn. <laughs> he's like, I'm not rich. Yeah, he's you know, like, like, the toilet seat's up, man. You think I got a wife? <laughs> the uh, toilet seat's up. That's my favorite. <laughs> and then like I love the guy's pissing on the rug. He's like, yeah, well, at least I'm housebroken. <laughs> this, this is just like juiciest lines ever. You think the rug ever. pissers did this, man? Yeah. <laughs> and then we get a bowling sequence where we get to meet Walter and Donnie. Uh, Bowling's you know. huge in this film, of course. Yes. And so, like. Do we meet Jesus in that scene or no? That's not till later. That's not that's later, scene, right? Yeah. yeah. We just. So, yeah. Walter, Walter is John Goodman. Yeah, and... Walter, John Goodman, Donnie is Steve Buscemi. Yeah. 
Walter and Donnie's relationship is one of the greatest relationships in cinematic history. You're out of your element. You have no frame of reference, Donnie. Like, he's just, they're just trying to get... Dude is telling him about what happened in the apartment. Chinaman isn't the preferred. <laughs> like, he just has so many great lines, John Good. He tells him yeah, about that, that Jeffrey whole, Lebowski, like, the millionaire. It's just like that Vietnam veteran thing. Yeah. John Goodman, like, I don't know who won Best Supporting Actor that year. If he wasn't nominated, that's also a crime. I mean... Well, I think at this at the time this movie came out, it was very underrated, and so all the characters within were underrated and underappreciated. Okay. It's, yeah, no, it Nobody definitely... Nobody really recognized them for how well they acted these roles and how well these roles were developed. Oh, yeah, no, at the time, this is considered a disappointment from the Coen brothers right. after Fargo. Obviously, it's not now. No. I just love it. They're kind of like, not that like Donnie and Walter, like the devil and the angel on the dude's shoulders, but they're, lack of a better way to explain it, they're like almost like his brain trust, or even like Walter. Is yeah, just Don- like, Donnie doesn't talk enough to I yeah. would consider that. Walter equal is there. almost the dude, you know, as the dude is supposed to be this laid back, laissez faire, just go with the flow kind of guy. And I think that Walter is his id in a way. What the dude isn't like he Walter fought in Nam and he's just outspoken, very brash, and he's just almost, you know Right, he's this raging, you know, fire inside kind of guy, yeah. whereas the dude's yeah, has none of that. Yeah, well the dude uh, is like a calm lake, Walter's balance. a volcano. <laughs> right. He well well the dude he says no, he, he's a pacifist, yeah, you know. And Walter carries a gun. He <laughs> <laughs> pulls it out in a bowling alley. Isn't it funny that they're both Polish? Lebowski, oh, Lebowski Polish and last name, Walter, and then he admits uh, that. Yeah. I mean, he's you're Polish Catholic yeah. later, you know. Yeah. He's I converted, Jewish. yeah, yeah he, <laughs> because of his ex-wife. Yeah. Right. Um, but, by the way, like before, I forget the mislabeling of animals in this film is like a running theme, and it's hilarious. That's not a Pomeranian. Okay. The dog. And there's, oh, a, yeah, yeah. there's a couple of them later that we'll go through. Like I have it in my notes. But that's, <laughs> I it, love that's like the way you... Oh, 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 it's a ferret later. Yeah. But they the call marmot. it something else. Oh, yeah, marmot. It's not a marmot. It's a ferret. I thought they said varmint. Isn't that like... Var- no, 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 no. Marmot, marmot, which is a different kind of animal. Oh. So it's like they keep calling the animals different things. I don't know why. Interesting. But... By the way, you mentioned awards, and I wanted to look up like what awards they were nominated for. Mm-hmm. Almost nothing. Obviously no Oscars. Um Bastards. Nominated for a Golden Bear at Berlin, but not one. What nominated for bear? in Berlin. That's just the coveted, prestigious. Yeah. yeah nominated for a Dallas Fort Worth Film Critics Association Award, but did not win. The, you know what award they won? What? A couple of them, like three or four, but most notably the Russian Guild of Film Critics Best Foreign Film Award. Do you think that's why <laughs> Trump is in collusion with Russia because he's a big Lebowski fan? <laughs> is Trump a big Lebowski fan? Like, I don't know. oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, wow, that'd be interesting. That would explain something. Well, he's a nihilist, so. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Exactly, exactly. Whoa. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. Mind this is a film of tangents, you know. Yeah, and we're going on Bring tangents. us to Brandt. All right, so, you know, after this, uh, after his, like, brain trust scene of, and, you know, learning about the big Lebowski from Walter, he shows up at this mansion, and this is where we meet Brandt. And I love it. He's just like, Oh, God. The dude is looking at the awards. Let's play the clip. clip, Okay, let's play the clip. This is the study. As you can see, the various commendations, awards, citations, honorary degrees, Mm. etc. 
Mm, very impressive. Oh, please feel free to inspect them. Mm. Oh, no, I'm not uh, really... Uh, oh, please, please. That is the key to the city of Pasadena, which Mr. Lebowski received two years ago in recognition of his various civic... Uh, oh, that's the Los Angeles Chamber of Commerce Business Achiever Award, which is given... Well, not necessarily given every year. Hey, given only when there's a uh, worthy is somebody. This, is this him with uh, Nancy? Yes, indeed. That is Mr. Lebowski with the First Lady. Yes. Oh. Let's take him when Mrs. That's Reagan... uh, Lebowski on the left there? Yeah, of course. Mr. Lebowski on the left. So he's a, uh, you know, a, a uh, handicapped uh, guy? Mr. Lebowski is disabled. Yes. Uh, this picture was taken when Mrs. Reagan was First Lady of the Nation. Yes, yes. Not of California. Chuck? Uh, in fact, he met privately with the president, though unfortunately there wasn't enough time for a photo opportunity. Oh, Nancy's pretty good. Oh, wonderful woman. We uh, were very happy to... These are, uh... Oh, those are Mr. Lebowski's children, oh, different so mothers, to speak. Huh? No, they're not. Racially, he's pretty cool. <laughs> they're not literally his children. They're the little Lebowski urban achievers, inner-city children of promise, but without the necessary means for a necessary means for a higher education. So Mr. Lebowski is committed to sending all of them to college. Excuse oh, me. Thank you. Thank you. Far out. I think he's got room for one more. One. Uh, oh. <laughs> You never went to college. Please, that, oh, yeah. don't yeah, touch no, that. I did, but uh, you know, I spent most of my time um, mm. occupying various administration buildings, uh, mm -hmm. smoking a lot of Thai steaks, <laughs> breaking into the ROTC, you know, bowling. <laughs> Tell you the yes. truth, Brian, I don't remember most of it. Oh. Huh. All right, can I? Can we all do our best Brant laugh right now? <laughs> <laughs> I can't because I'm not a phony person. Ouch. Just joking. <laughs> I, I have seven names, so I'm. That was a real one. That was a yeah, that was my. Uh, maybe I'm naturally Brent. <laughs> maybe he's my spirit animal. That... Can I just say, I love in this scene how Brant cannot finish any sentence. It's he is going on about the so big good. Lebowski's, let's say, achievements, yeah. and can't can't complete any of them. You know, you almost kind of get the sense that it's this whole faked, uh, yeah. Let's say, I can't complete that sentence. So. <laughs> yeah, very apropos to me so far. And again, I have not seen all the Philip Seymour Hoffman films. Obviously, mm -hmm. at the end of this, this is his phoniest role. Yeah, this is but like it's, it's, his, it's, it's on purpose. Yeah, yeah, this is his waspiness character to the extreme. Yeah, I wouldn't even relate it. Like people were relating it to uh, Scent of a Woman and stuff like no, that. No, none of this is a because that's like a, this is a cartoon. This is, He's a cartoon. Yes, um, but perfect I mean, as such. No, 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 I'm not. Again, cartoon yeah, is not an insult here. No, to be clear, audience. Um, so far, we've met some strong characters in this film. Clearly, from the biggest being like the dude and Walter, and then we go and we meet Philip Seymour Hoffman as Brandt, and he steals. I mean, clearly, like he's given the lines in this scene, and it's all about. But I mean, the, by all means, the dude. When the dude looks into that mirror, like Time magazine cover thing, and he's just looking at it, and he goes, "Huh, like that gets me every time." Like in such a like subtle and just a noise, you know, reaction that Jeff Bridges has as that character. But Brandt, like you said, he can't finish any sentence. 
you know, he's explaining just his gestures. Like, this is a big thing of Philip Seymour Hoffman. He just has these great gestures, these great, like, looks. I love he's, like, he's tightening his tie at one point, and he's just explaining this wall of the Big Lebowski. If there's a way to be naturally awkward and out of place, Philip Seymour Hoffman hits it in this role. And that's why it's one of my favorite yeah. roles. Yeah, his awkward, his. like, pretentious laugh... This is, I love, he's like, oh, and you didn't go to college. Like, this is a guy that most likely went to an Ivy League, and this is all my speculation, but this is as good as, like, I mean, because that's what Philip Stromfman's doing to this character, is creating such through his mannerisms and his way he delivers his lines that, in my head, I have this vivid picture already of this guy that went to, like, an Ivy League school and then, you know, like heard of the Lebowski Foundation. Yeah, yeah, like, like see, this will be great on my, you know, resume. I think maybe he went to an Ivy League school, but he's certainly not like from rich money because no. he's like working for him. Yeah. He's kind of like a kiss ass doing his job. Yeah, he's doing like this he's helping out in the this world because it's probably going to look really good on a resume. That's that's my favorite part about this role is it almost seems like all right, so yes. Philip Seymour Hoffman is faking this because he's an actor and that's what he does for a living. But you also get the sense that Brandt is faking this Mm -hmm. persona. Yeah. And Philip Seymour Hoffman portrays that faking acting (laughs) so well in in a real kind of way. If you were faking this persona, this, uh, you know, buttoned up kind of Ivy League school grad, uh, he, he just kind of portrays that so perfectly. And the way that you fake being fake so perfectly <laughs> just blew me away in this that, role. That, that, that's why it's great, because it's layered, right? If you just see it for the surface and you've never like seen a Philip Zimmer Hoffman role, you might be like, oh, you know, it's, it's a little bit forced or whatever. But it's really not, because he's an actor acting. like Not acting in the sense, like, he's acting... The character's acting as well, like, as you yeah. said. He's saying, I work for this big, you know, like, he, like, I mean, who knows if he even, like, we learned the big Lebowski actually doesn't have money, it's Maud's money, she gives him an allowance, mm-hmm. he, you know, he, he failed at running a business of, like, it was the mom's money, like, his wife's. Right. And so, like, who even knows if, like, Brandt exactly knows what's going on, but point being, he's just giving off this, like, waff it almost, um, yeah, it almost doesn't matter. He's a salesman for the Lebowski thing. Yeah, he is playing the part. Like, even the yeah, the dude, when he finds out that information about the big Lebowski, he's like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah, he gives off this whole demeanor, and that's what Brant is doing, too. Like, if we had the Brant movie, his big moment in his <laughs> solo movie would be, like, the breakdown of, like, this isn't me, you know? Right, like, right. Yeah, but we almost <laughs> can't have the Brant movie. No, 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 no. We, don't, we can't, and I don't necessarily... I'm not saying I want the Because Brant he's movie. just... He's a part of this system. Yeah. And you mentioned that he, he constantly calls him the dude because that's part of it. He's almost trained himself to just relate to anyone who comes in that door he, well, in his own way. He almost falls into the category of, like, you know, the, the customer's always right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Exactly, He's exactly. The Big Lebowski's customer yeah. service. He will side with the Big Lebowski. Right. But, but he'll do it in a nice his way. Guest, and that's the whole thing. So then. He's like, not going to get angry ever. Yeah. So then we have the dude... I apologize for the misunderstanding kind of mm. thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's the whole thing, because then the dude meets the big Lebowski, and there's this whole, like, you know... I mean, just 
back and forth between them of, you know, like, no, but I'm the dude, you know, <laughs> the dudeness, duder, El Dernerino. And then, like, after his whole meeting and, you know, the Big Lebowski just, you know, tells them pretty much go fuck off. I do have to say I really wish Jeff Bridges in that scene referenced himself as Deuteronomy. <laughs> Every time I watch that scene, I'm just waiting for him to say it. And I know he doesn't say it, but I'm waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love it, you know, so, like, Big Lebowski just, like, you know, shoes them off because he just says, like, and this, this is how you, like, what's your job? And this is how you go to meetings and yada, yada, yada. And bums then, will always lose. Yeah, bums <laughs> will always lose, Mr. Lebowski. Bums will always lose. And then, but then the dude goes out and Brandt is like, did everything go well? And he says, yeah, he said I could take any, you know, any rug I want. <laughs> it's perfect. And I just love it. Every little scene is just a buildup because then the rug is the big reason that he then gets involved with Maud. And uh, I mean, just the way, I mean, right after we, we have to play this other, we have to, we have to play this clip. No, Brent. No, <laughs> no, okay, no, we're playing it. Brent. Bunny, played by Tara Reed, <laughs> and the dude. Here, here, here we go. And perhaps we'll see you again sometime, dude. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm in the neighborhood, you know, and uh, let me use a John. Lana. Huh? Go ahead. Blow. You want me to blow on your uh, toes? Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't blow that far. Are you sure he won't mind? Billy doesn't care about anything. He's a nihilist. Oh, that must be exhausting. You're not blowing. Our guest has to be getting along, Mrs. Lebowski. Oh, your bunny. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. Wonderful woman. We're all we're all very fond of her. Very free spirited. Brand can't watch though, or he has to pay a hundred. No, <laughs> that's marvelous. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna go find a cash machine. <laughs> that's just that's such a perfect little scene yeah again like he's like this not salesman but just customer service right yeah he's so like he's glossing like over what she's PR saying our guy <laughs> like the cleaner wonderful like, woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> again it is this perfect awkwardness and that is that is that terry, he carries right? throughout the role yeah yeah, yeah you know, perfect. his un his perfect. inability to react to the situation you know, kind of, and yeah, like you said, gloss over it. The way he laughs, laughs and his nostrils flare. After in she says, I'll suck your cock for $1,000, the way he tightens up. Right. And then that, again, like we've gotten a hint to this laugh, but this is definitely, this is the laugh we use in our intro to the podcast. It's just, it's just, per- it's and just Who knows, so you know, this is awkward. probably, this is probably his you know, 90th take of this scene or whatever, whatever they did. 50, yeah. 50th, however <laughs> many times he read this line, saw this line, knew yeah. this was going to happen. He still reacts like it's the first time 
he's ever heard her say that <laughs> and is surprised by it every single time. Yeah. So perfect. He's surprised, but he's also like, he knows she's not like highbrow. Right. So he yeah, knows right. like what to say, right. but he's still, it's, anytime she says something like that, it's going to be like, you know, yeah. taken off guard by it. Again, this is a scene that like Tara Reid, great performance. Jeff Bridges, like when he, when she's like, oh, that's Uli, he's a nihilist. And he just goes, yeah, that must nihilist, be exhausting. Right. Now, like, Honestly, I heard of Tara Reid before this. Before I saw this movie, I did not see this movie in the theaters. I didn't see this movie till I was later in my teens. Sure. I think it was already on DVD at this yeah, point okay. for years. It already had its cult following and stuff. Is this Tara Reid's first role? It's gotta be like if it it's isn't. Up there. It's, it's up there. Right? Because then I, I mean, think she's I'm, a local. I'm, she's from where we grew up. I think she, I forgot oh, really? where she. Yeah, she's from Burton County somewhere. Oh well, really. Yeah. Um, I'm not into feet. I hate feet. I'm not, it's not like I'm not into, but I would I would have blown <laughs> on her toes, <laughs> like right away. All I'm like, gonna say is I knew her as Carson Daly's girlfriend <laughs> before I knew her in this movie, and I was like, oh, that's Tara. This Reed. is the most Carson Daly's like. This mentioned. is the most yeah, just yeah, <laughs> like mention never... of Carson Daly since 2004. <laughs> Kyle, this is a valid question for you. Shoot, Terry's best film. Oh. I mean, like, I'm not looking. At I don't know. You're an American right Pie guy. No, but I mean, no. But this is no. This is yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, American Pies are like good for what they are. But I'm trying to think anything. I do love Josie and the Pussycats. But it's sacrilege to not consider that better than the Big Lebowski. Sac- punk rock prom queen. <laughs> Brown paper magazine. Don't know how I just remembered a Josie and the Pussycats from the film song but it well, just that's your, when I call you that's your ringtone damn it that's what I, I hope you wouldn't I hope you wouldn't reveal that that's our next podcast <laughs> by the way. Daisy. Well, we, we had to play that for you just because it that scene is just it's like a little over a minute but it's just another great and further understanding of Brandt of the work of Philip Seymour Hoffman this is one of the rare scenes he's in in this movie. Yeah, but... I mean, he actually... Well, well like... you have been on this full journey with us. He's actually in this movie a lot for, like, the films we have seen. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, you guys were just at the beginning of his career, so... <laughs> yeah. We so have... I, I was actually satisfied with the he amount he was in this film. sprinkled in here and there. Yeah, and he is in this more than I remembered him to be in, just via, like, phone calls, like, his voice. Anytime, like, he's present. Like, the, I mean, the last film we did, Next Stop Wonderland... He's in three scenes. It's a great film if you haven't seen it. I have never even heard of it. It's in really, fact, yeah. I've heard of very few movies that you guys have actually covered already. I've listened to most of the podcasts. Yeah. Well, not thank the you. entire thing. Being a fan. But most of uh, them, you know, listener. on my train commute into work at, yeah. in the morning. But um, yeah, other than I saw Twister when I was young. Didn't even know who Philip Seymour Hoffman was. So Twister, that's a, didn't you know, know he was in the movie until you guys did. <laughs> wow, the that's awesome! And I was like, oh, I gotta go back and watch that again. Yeah, um, and that's a great role. So, so Leon, I just, just to be clear, I don't know if this is like this is her first mainstream film. Tara Reid. She did a film in 1987. She must have been very 
she's like not much older than us. She's a baby or something. Six years old in that movie. Yeah, it's called a Return to Salem's Lot. She played Amanda. I don't know what that is. That's hot. Oh, Amanda in Return to Salem Lot. Yeah, of course. You big fan. Their next thing. Why did you ask the question? She guest starred as Sandy in Saved by the Bell: The New Class. Oh, awesome! Then she was in Days of Our Lives. Was that in college with the jacked forty-year-old man? No, that's our Saved by the Bell podcast. Yeah. No, that's when it's high school again, and Screech is working with Mr. Bell. Oh, yeah, he's assistant principal. Yeah, like I did not know that was a thing. Yep, okay. that's a thing. Here yeah, they continue to say about the Bell way too long. <laughs> um, Days of Our Lives, she guest started in 95 for five episodes, and Everyone's she was in a TV series that. called California Dreams for one episode. Okay. Then, then, so, this is in 96. Okay. So, in 98, The Big Lebowski is pretty much her first, let's yeah. be realistic, her first film as yeah, like, definitely. an adult okay, actor. Yeah. So, there we go. American Pie is 99. Yeah. She's in no, Cruel Intentions, in... which is also 99. No, but this is her... So, I put the brand on this. This is her first... Absolutely. Like, and I'm feature. very surprised there is not a Law & Order or Law & Order <laughs> spin-off within her IMDb. Well, she I don't know. Let me see. Let me go through. Maybe she did it later. actress without that. No, credit. some actors actually then return... I mean, let's face it. She hasn't, like, exactly... It hasn't been just, like, a uphill career since... So she's probably been in. Did you? I'm looking at her IMDb. There's something a short film called The Big Lebowski Two. I haven't seen it. Have you guys seen that? Nope. Uh, if it's anything like American Psycho Two, <laughs> better than the original, and you should watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, just like scrolling through IMDb. We should do a Tara Reid podcast, Kyle. Nope. <laughs> we could probably get her on. Yeah, it's 30 bucks and uh, a white rush. <laughs> and blow her toes. <laughs> anyway. Sold. <laughs> Down the hatch, white Russian. I like when I made the second batch of white Russians. They were a different shade to honor what we were saying before. Absolutely. So after that scene with Brent, uh, we go back to the bowling alley. It's which Brent, got... though, right? With an what did I just say? Brent. Not white no, Russian. No, no, it is, white it is Russian with an A, star. right? No, it B is Brandt. Brent. Okay, okay, I want to be clear about that. Brandt. <laughs> yeah, no, that was just a white Russian slur. Um, so we go back to one of our main locations, the bowling alley, and we've got Walter, which, okay, so this comes, so uh, you wanted to bring up, he brings his ex-wife, Cynthia's dog. Yeah, yeah, okay, again, like just, that's not a Pomeranian. I'm I'm somebody who now. Do you see the dog? I don't remember ever. It's on the floor. The oh, you see it a bunch. It comes yeah. back a couple times. Yeah, it's, it's in the van later. In, yeah. It's in the crate the whole time. No, it's like on that. the floor. And the dog, of course, is played by Steve Buscemi. Yes. No. no. <laughs> he played say, a double this role. Is a, this is movie. something yeah. I did not know about yeah. this movie. <laughs> no, he lets it out. It's on the floor in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really. Yeah, and then it's in the van. Yeah. I don't remember there being a dog in this movie. Yeah, he actually, in like later scenes... Other than in the crate and him mentioning it. In later scenes, it like follows him subtly. See, this is what's great about the film. How many times have you seen this film, Leon? Uh, 60? (laughs) I don't remember the dog. A lot. There's so many details. (laughs) A lot, yeah. It's every like, every time I watch it, I do find something new. It's the movie version of a Highlights magazine. <laughs> That's our first Highlights magazine reference, and I love it. Yeah. You, 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 you never do a dentist? I prefer good Clearly. housekeeping. Yeah. 
But uh, you've never been to a dentist and played a highlights magazine that's already circled and you're really pissed off. It's, no. It's like the kids' magazine that has like all different like they're like find the boat and it's just like a weird like in a and it's in a cloud. It's like Where's Waldo but yeah. a magazine without yeah, Waldo. And it's already circled. I know I'm getting you for your birthday. Highlights <laughs> magazine. <laughs> <laughs> this film is filled with like character zest. That's what I'm gonna call. It. I'm gonna compare it to like a food palette. This is just a Walter scene. This really doesn't push much versus like other scenes where we get Walter really pushing like what the dude should do. This is when he pulls out the gun on Smokey and oh you're over the line. You're entering a world of pain. Like Mark what a great line zero. that is. Yeah. Mark it zero. <laughs> Mark it zero. <laughs> We get the making of a white Russian, and Brent leaves a message. And... Brent, again. Mm. You're saying Brent. <laughs> Brent. Brent. Oh, Charles for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? You might as well just leave the podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I'm on my sixth shot. Well, of... welcome, everyone. This is Brian and Leon. That's <laughs> yes. his full name. I'm Brian Rodriguez. We are beginning. I'm Leon. <laughs> I don't. I have nothing to say, but I enjoyed my time on the PS. I love Hoffman podcast, and I well, you formally been accept. On it. We're my, gonna edit you out of previous <laughs> yes. episodes as well. Jesus. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, Brandt. <laughs> Brandt. He's le- he left a couple messages, right? And it's yeah, he leaves him. He leaves him a message. Well, for, yeah, first. It's Smokey saying like, "I have to leave a message for the the league office," and then you got Brandt. Uh, leaving a message saying, like, we've urgently been trying to reach you, dude. Then the league manager calling. <laughs> and this is all while dude is making a because, white okay, Russian. Because it's just like, it's... When you think of the images of this film, mm-hmm. I think of, like, the posters I've seen, which one of them is, like, the, the whole fantasy sequence with, like, uh, the dude and Julianne Moore. Yeah. But one of them is also... I, and I've seen this poster in, like, college guys' apartments. Just uh, Walter with the gun. Yeah, you know, so the fact that he pulled the gun did we did we gloss over Jesus? No, Jesus is coming. Okay, okay. Walter with the the gun. Jesus the Jesus yes. Mm-hmm. Walter with the gun is just like such an iconic image of this film. Before I even saw this movie, I didn't know like years ago. I didn't know what this movie was about, and I I thought it was some kind of like crime, like and it is a crime <laughs> thing. But I thought it was some kind of like. Like thing, heist, like heist like, thing, John yeah. Goodman with a gun shooting yeah. people. You know, cause, no, it's cause just a really that's strong the image. first image I remember, yes. like knowing of this film, John Goodman with that gun. And it's just, hilarious that it's just like a bowling thing. It's just a bowling yeah. argument that he's angry about. And while we're just thinking of that, I want to say that uh, the writing of this character was heavily influenced by the director and writer John Milius. And if you don't know him, he directed like Conan the Barbarian. Uh, Red, the original Red Dawn. He wrote Apocalypse Now. He wrote the Quint speech in Jaws. Point being, he's a huge. He wrote the part... Quint speech in Jaws. I didn't yeah, know that. Wow. it was fifteen pages, and then Robert Shaw brought it down to like five pages. Um, That's point being... five pages, even on on screen. Yeah. Wow. I just want to say this character is uh, highly influenced by the writer director John Milius, and there's a great documentary. Uh, that focuses on the career of John Milius, and for any cinephiles out there, it is a must-watch. Definitely, the, this is like our second documentary. Like you have to watch the called? first one. It's called Milius, and it is that was a hard one to remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, last I saw it was on Netflix. But yeah, exactly. I I can't remember. But uh, it's last I saw it was on Netflix. If it's not, you can find it. I'm sure it is on my list on Netflix now that you mention it. I have not seen it yet. Yeah. So documentaries so far we've told you to watch on uh, P.S. I Love Hoffman are Chuck Norris versus Communism and now Milius. So get your and everything on documentary. Get your homework done. That's different. Now going back to how you were mentioning God the answering machine mm. this whole number one what is an answering machine anymore does anyone have like that's that well now we have voicemail which <laughs> yeah, is I incredibly even, annoying I even check to my delete voicemail. why are you leaving voicemails send me a text message isn't, isn't that <laughs> funny how voicemails even dying voicemails from like the text message thing it, it, anyway, it, it, it was dead before it was made <laughs> uh, <Wow>. anyway <laughs> harsh words from uh, Christopher Megan here now this whole parallel between Brant calling about the urgent situation with Bunny mm-hmm. being kidnapped yeah. and Smokey calling about, you know, Walter pulling out the gun, sure. obviously in an overreaction to the situation. <laughs> I understood everything um, Walter did. <laughs> but this, this parallel between the extreme situation mm, yes. and the underlying, you know, kind of mediocre situation is something that is carried out throughout this movie. Yeah, it's a really good, it's it's the back and forth, and a uh, uh, word I use way too much, but I'll say it again, juxtaposition. It's right. just like that small level world. It's something honestly like, I'm just going to throw it to a really random uh, reference right now, like South Park does really well. It's kind of how both of these situations are held within the same regard. Yeah, which I mean, uh, I think the dude would even, the dude is more concerned about the bowling. Yeah, right, yeah. right. That's perfect. And what we get next is another Brent scene. And actually, this scene was mentioned on our episode of Twister. And Wit said that he thought this was too much, and John totally disagreed. And I think we disagreed with him as well. But Talk about that dramatic, you know, he's talking with the dude in the hallway, and then he just does this dramatic opening of the doors. Okay, okay. I thought about Wit when you when I watched this. And I agree with him a little. It is too much, but I believe that the character is a phony, you know? Yeah, and... Grant the, is a phony, and that's okay. And the music that's playing in that part is like... It's like very like choral. I I was watching. I was actually not watching. Clearly, you don't watch a podcast, but I was listening to your podcast. (laughs) And when he brought that up, I was actually extremely offended because I think the first time I saw this movie, I spit my Mountain Dew everywhere because I was (laughs) fourteen or fifteen at the time. And uh, you know, this is one of my favorite scenes that I burst out laughing instantly when he opened the door. It kind of solidified the whole over-the-top faking yes. character and that's where that I think it hits. this whole I, time. Yeah. I think um, the character, in his mind, if we're going to Daniel Day-Lewis this, right? He he's may- retiring, by the way. I don't believe it. He retired <laughs> once to be a cobbler. No, there will be blood. <laughs> Between you and Wit? Is that a challenge? You're going to no, but like I believe he did that movement, and in his head, Brand was like, "Fuck, that was too much." Yeah, you know. I, yeah, he's I like, think it was absolutely perfect. 
and solidifies it's the, character. the Brant character. Yeah, yeah, as, no, I think yeah. like he, everything he does is fake. Cause, yeah, because the Lebowski okay. sitting by the fire, and there's that obviously that movie is like non non diegetic versus like diegetic, you know, meaning that like they're not listening to like this like creepy choral music going on. At this right, point. and I was like the cadence in Brant's speech. The yeah. way he translates the conversation in the limb, everything about his character is this over-the-top, fake acting. He's almost like a like Brant Minor was a thespian, like, you know? Like. Yes, <laughs> yeah, kind of like he got cast for an old Shakespearean role yeah. and was kicked out for overdoing it the first time. <laughs> but it's yeah, that's like exactly how the character should be portrayed Ugh. and the opening of the door and i love I it, lost it because in my notes i put then we get to the main story so i just love it that we're like an hour in now to the podcast and this is where we get to the main story which bunny is kidnapped and this is really sets like the ev- kind of sinks in that yeah this is real yeah exactly she didn't kidnap herself <laughs> yeah <laughs> And this is, you know, like, this is the main story that really pushes along the Big Lebowski. Mm -hmm. Is that the dude is, like, becomes this, like, private investigator for the Big Lebowski. It's funny, he's, like, forced to being a P.I. Yeah, and And what, for $20,000 or something like that? It's almost like, yeah, I know there's a money element here. Yeah, he needs to act as a courier, they say. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like just to to get his shit together, like, to get... The f- like clear his name a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's weird because he doesn't seem like a guy who's motivated by money, but he needs enough to like survive to the next month. A very interesting thing, which the Coens decided to take out of the script. He was supposed to was supposed to explain like where the dude gets his income from because he has a brief little moment with Maud in bed. Yeah, he's the, unemployed. He's unemployed. He's unemployed. He but he has this moment where he's going through his history and says he was a roadie for Metallica. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like he gives like a little hit after Maud and and, uh, and uh, the dude have sex and she's trying to conceive. Spoiler, uh, jump, yeah, jumping whoa. way ahead. A very interesting. I think it would have been in this scene. Is that and the Coen Brothers just they wrote it and then they decided to take it out or maybe, maybe they even filmed it but I read that it was supposed to be that the dude was the heir to the fortune of the inventor of the Rubik's cube. Mm-hmm. That's what they originally wrote it as. I love Talk that to Rubik's and I love that. I love <laughs> that like because honestly that explains. Think about the Rubik's cube and what that is supposed to like represent in the realm of, like, impossible to figure out. And that's right. what the dude in this story is. That's true. But also, I feel like if you're trying to really convey that, this is 91, 92, this movie is happening. Yeah. This but, is yeah. right after the Rubik's Cube has exploded and people are solving it. Blind kids are solving it behind their head in 10 seconds. <laughs> you know, I feel like he'd, he would be much more well off than he was. They could have confused him for the Big Lebowski. Yeah, I like he that. would I have so much. Sure. Oh, okay. Like I, see a, I like I that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's funny because that element of it, just to me, that would be too much. Mm-hmm. And they probably ended up a lot of layers, yeah. right? Yeah. And that to me is too much. I'm glad they took that. It's out. almost a forced angle. Yeah. Look, we. I don't need to know his income. And maybe this is Jeff Bridges rather than like the Coen brothers. I trust that this guy swindled enough to get money. 
Right. Like I think he he gets enough to get by. Yeah. And yeah, and that's all he cares about. Continue, continue his also, lifestyle. Yeah, he, and yeah, exactly. And he also lives a very modest lifestyle, which I think is yeah, and, which is yeah. also like by his like he's very complacent with like this, right. you know. Basically, he needs uh, you know a hundred dollars a week to afford yeah. weed. Uh, yeah, weed, <laughs> weed and white Russians like right. that is his, <laughs> right. you know. And then his I guess his mixtapes that he listens to. Bowling noises on cassettes <laughs> and, and well noises. That's his big. You bring you bring up the weed thing. I, like, I love the little roaches he's smoking in this film. That I was gonna say. This is considered like a stoner movie, but it's so much more than that. Like he's not. Yeah, like, this is not. This is not yeah. that. Wait, I actually have a really good question for you guys because it didn't come out too long after. Do you think Dude Where's My Car was inspired by yes. uh, by the line? Because I'm thinking stoner comedies and not that they... Do they smoke in that movie? I don't care. But point being, Dude Where's My Car because, you know, Walter comes out, Dude, where's your car? Absolutely. From the Germans yeah. in that movie or like the European... You know, like those like European twins. Right. Yeah. I saw this movie now and I'm like, fucking Dude Where's My Car. Oh whole... yeah, even the Swedes. And I'm right. sorry, oh, we're, Swedes, we are in Hoboken, sorry. New Jersey right now, and they say we're going to banish you to Hoboken, New Jersey. In uh, dude, where's my car? Yeah, yeah, no, sorry, sorry. I'll Thank say you. the Euros, the Euro elements. Yeah, the Euro right. trash. Yeah. And this whole, the whole storytelling of this unfolding, layered, complicated story. Yeah, you know what? You kind know, of do, follows the same path. You know, dude, where's my car? Is two guys got high, watched The Big Lebowski, wrote a film. And we're yeah. like, yeah, we can make a movie. Yeah. What if Walter? Yeah. What if Walter so and the true. dude went to go look for their car right now? Right. <laughs> but if we got two a pretty car guys goes missing, you yeah. Know, but this exactly. Film? But if we got two pretty guys to do it instead, the mm-hmm. guy from the jerk from uh, American Pie and the yeah, what's his name? And the pretty guy from uh, uh, Mila Kunis, right? That's his name. Yeah. That's. No, John Cryer. No, his tougher, name's John Cryer. Topher Grace. Topher Grace. John Cryer. John Cryer. <laughs> yeah, he's the half man. He's the half. Ugh. God, I hate where we're going right now. Well, I don't know why you're so upset. We do our CBS sitcom podcast every Thursday. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, I will give a thousand dollars to anyone that can count how many podcasts we've had so far. I'm trying this to like our, add them this up. Is our what seventeenth or eighteenth episode? By the way, by the way, we would never do a CBS sitcom podcast. No. And that's why you won't be famous. I would do a <laughs> probably. I would do a, I would do a podcast on CBS FM 101.1. A, a class act of a radio. I would rather. I'm not joking. I'd rather do like like a uh, like you know how TV Land has like shows now like for for right, like women series. in like the, no, they have original new original shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, original shows they're, for, they're for pretty, like no, they're, ugh, they're supposed good. to be showing just like Dick Van Dyke and stuff like Kyle, that. Kyle, no, 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 no. I mean, TV, and, TV Land and they is get doing good it. reviews. These good. shows, oh, my God. I, and I haven't seen them, so I've heard they're good. I'd rather do a podcast with they're them. They're better than CBS most television. Let me put it that way. I'm drunk and I'm getting angry. No, they do. I, okay, I would love if they still show Dick Van Dyke, but that's we have Netflix for that. Yeah, exactly. That's what. Yeah, so and that's why. Everything's original content. Back to Big Lebowski. <laughs> this is bullshit. Back to the Big Lebowski. This is bullshit. I don't want to continue. <laughs> All right, guys, that's our podcast. Yeah, thank you very week. much. Kyle's too drunk to continue. Anyway, yeah, no. So after this, we just get. I mean, it's just. Well, I'm sorry. No, I love it because it's just dire straits. Not the band, but the situation. And we, you know, there's Money a kidnapping. 
yeah. another film. The tag in tie-in to another film. Tag in. <laughs> um, the next, then we meet the Jesus, and I and I, and before like this is ro- after the fireplace scene. Yeah. Wow. The and Jesus I, and isn't I, in a lot of scenes. No, he's only in two scenes. Right, but I thought it was earlier on. No, this scene. is when we get the Jesus, and I just put again, like I just want to say because it's played by the phenomenal John Turturro, and again, this is the Coen Brothers collaborator. Yes, from early on of Barton Fink. Barton Fink, yeah. And it's a movie I love. One of my favorite Coen Brothers. And then he's in... Is that it? That's not a Coen Brothers movie. movie? Yeah, but that's John Turturro. Come on. What is? The guy wasn't in any other movies. In Secret Window. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You don't mess with the Zohan. Yeah, that's another... (laughs) No, another Coen Brothers film that he's in is uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Right. And so... Are you sure it's not You Don't Mess with the Zohan? (laughs) That's... Is that, That's a Coen Brothers film, no? Big Daddy? <laughs> Steve Buscemi? Oh, he's, he's in a... <laughs> yeah, wow. Coen Brothers Sander. Big connection here. Yeah. I didn't realize it. Oh, by the way, I'm glad you mentioned Buscemi again. Because I, I did want to mention this. From our first film, Amos Poe was the director. Yes. See, Buscemi is connected to that world of those films. Oh, that's, definitely. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. where he started. I wonder if like Steve Buscemi's connection with the Coen brothers got films of Hoffman in this film. That's a possibility, sure. Yeah. Maybe even an endorsement. Maybe like, oh, we're thinking of this guy, Philip Hoffman. Because he was yeah. friends. I mean, I don't know friends. Okay, like, we don't know about that. No, but, but like, in the circle. Yeah, he was in the circle with Amos yeah. Poe, Jaramouche, like that. I like, mean, obviously, you spend months with the guy, working with the guy, you know, Regardless of how many times you see him, but no, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Steve. I mean, the, uh, can in, in the end, the Coen brothers are cinephiles, and between possibly seeing Boogie Nights or just the slew of films that Philip Seymour Hoffman was in beforehand, from even you know, Scent of a Woman was clearly a film that probably a lot of people saw in the early '90s. So if if that is not the case, but is it a sin case of the whole Amos Poe triple bogey? Uh, but imagine you're one of these like Lower East Side guys yeah. who watched Triple Bogey in a Part Five hole, and you saw Philip Seymour Hoffman in like this, like that one scene. Oh yeah. And then like you saw Steve Buscemi in some other films from that like era of like East Village cinema, and then you watched The Big Lebowski, like a big, you know, Hollywood type mm. film. Though it's like a little bit underrated, and you see them both in it, and you're like, wow, okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> our world's going into that world, and I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, definitely. It's not like they share a scene or anything, but... No, but it's still, it's just, it's a great, I mean, those two actors alone are two of the greatest, like, character actors. You guys mentioned before that you were in a fraternity together. Correct. It's funny when you see, like, as we're watching Philip Seymour Hoffman's career, we're seeing, like, the fraternity of actors, right? Nice segue. (laughs) (laughs) But we're seeing that, you know? Yeah, you're right. And it's kind of it's kind of fun and it's kind of funny. Yeah. Even like Julianne Moore, who again, who doesn't share a scene, I believe, right, with Philip Seymour Hoffman. No. And I read that she did her she did her work in like three or four days. Okay. It was very quick. Yeah. I can believe that because she's not in it much either. No. No, and yeah. it probably all back to back to back. Right. But it, it's amazing, and and in this, there are porn elements. Yeah. Well, she shows. The dude, the uh, well, Jackie Treehorn. Yeah, her work is very vaginal. Yeah, <laughs> so they, the I love the yeah, and the wording of vaginal, yeah. right? Vaginal. <laughs> and in this, there's like from Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. There's so many little tie-ins, and I know it's probably not intentional. And they wrote this when Barton Fink uh, was written, but to me, like I love that connection 
that Boogie Nights is Philip Robinson's big film, and he's in something, and he's not like anyway the same character as he is in Boogie Nights. But it's something that like refers to porn, yeah. and, it ref- and it has Julianne Moore, sure, and it has like it's just a tie-in of these worlds, and Brent. I'm actually surprised that Brent, like since day one, has been one of your favorite characters. Honestly, I saw this movie and him, John Goodman, obviously, uh, but him, John Goodman, and Larry Sellers were my. <laughs> that's even more surprising. Favorite yeah. characters. Yeah, that that <laughs> throws me off a little bit. The, I mean, no, that kid's face, the the stoicness, like that kid for that scene is so perfect. Yeah. And yeah, maybe maybe I'm a weird guy. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, you I definitely think, are I think a weird I'm guy. pretty yeah. normal. No, you're, but no, you're very. It's you're, just I don't know. There's you're things. You're a pathological liar. It <laughs> was Leon and kept the lie going. There's things about like six movies. Months. There's things about things that stick out to me that I love. No, I, that I, other I, people will just be like, "What the fuck are no, you talking yes, about?" I, I, and and you know, it it was. Philip Seymour Hoffman in this movie. Yeah. And it wasn't... I wasn't... I I didn't get struck by a role again until, you know, obviously... Sandy Lyle. (laughs) In The Long Game Everyone mentions that. That, I love it. And I didn't even know he was in that movie until I caught it on TBS, I think, (laughs) one day at 3.30 in the afternoon. I was unemployed. <laughs> and I, I, you know, he walks into the. So you're living like the dude. He, he walks into the wedding reception yeah. and slips on that wooden floor. And I was like, oh my god, it's Brant! He's back! And obviously, that role is one of the greatest roles to ever be portrayed by him. But there you go. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, that, that's, I mean, love clearly, it. I, that. And don't um, get me wrong, that is a terrible atrocity of a movie Whoa. that is made unbelievably good. We'll wait till we get to that part. It's so polarizing. I can't wait yeah. till we get to Long Game Poly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I totally agree with you in the sense of that, like, so, you know, Brandt and then the kid that plays Larry Sellers, but, like, even, again, like, clearly Jeff Bridges' title character, or not title character, but he is right. the lead almost, character. Yeah. Almost, right. And, but it's, think about how many great moments he has in this movie, but it's the simplicity of two scenes that are my favorite and it's when they toss the uh marmont the you know uh oh my god mm-hmm. again that is a ferret into the yeah bed. ferret <laughs> into the that and then also when he's driving and he drops like the roach and it's burning him the noises jeff bridges makes of that right. like ow, ow, ow. <laughs> like well, and, let's be fair phil Hoffman is great yeah jeff bridges is the best in this film yeah, I will. John Goodman gives them a really good run for it. John, John Goodman's great, and, and I'm not going to say. It's just like, what makes this film great is the performances by the actors and their characters. They get great lines. It's it's, it's all this like awesome stuff coming together. Yeah. But it, it's like people brought it. This movie could have easily sucked with bad actors. Well, I think I'll go what, on a limit Well, I think that. what you were going to say, and I'll help you out with this, it is much more important for someone to pull off the character of the dude than it is to pull off the character of Walter. Walter, Brant, all these side characters yeah. are... If they, are played really, by all the same actors, but if you have someone that does not nail the dude, this movie's movie nothing. falls apart. Right. Yeah. 
and falls I completely apart. agree with you guys. This is a you know career defining moment for Jeff Bridges, who yeah. is a phenomenal actor in his own right, and has never done anything that really disappointed me as far as acting goes. But I feel like you know the performance of Brant. The performance of Donnie, who yeah. what has four lines in the whole movie, yeah, like maybe four full maybe lines. ten yeah. to be honest yeah, yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, you know Larry Sellers, who doesn't say a word in this movie, but it's these little characters. <laughs> I love that. Just that <laughs> I, I love, just put Larry. I love I put Larry. Larry Sellers down my notes. I just love that. You keep I love saying, Larry. I just keep thinking Larry Sanders. Anyway, but that's a whole like different these, thing, so. these little <laughs> characters who have no effect on the movie. Yeah. Per se, but you know they complete their role, and it's the detail-orientedness of the Cohen brothers that mm-hmm. kind of make this a cult classic. Yes, Jeff Bridges did an amazing job as the dude, but if these other characters didn't fill in that little space, I don't think it would be held in such high regard as it is today. You know I I, mean? I agree with you, but it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. Like if Je- if Jeffrey just sucks here, whoever does that sucks here. We're not talking about this movie. Or, oh, we're talking about it because Phil Spector is in it. Yeah. We're talking about it with such high regard. Yeah, we're talking about it like a Coen Brothers miss. But if the side characters don't fill in the other crap, we're talking about it like what went on as well. Sure. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think we're talking about it if the side characters didn't. Well, do we Kyle. I think that's I are my point. <laughs> you're probably not right, here because right. you're like there's I, no I don't Lebowski know fest. Yet. There's no uh, cult following without these side characters, though. You I, know what I mean? I like it. It's, right. it's, this Jeff is a movie Bridges, like, great performance. I've been great performance. I've met Other like than that, uh, it's straight okay edge movie. Christians hmm. who you know. Like, cause, like I said, this is like considered like a stoner film, which I think is like a little unfair. Um, yeah, very, I've met like so straight edge Christians who like don't like you know won't even drink a sip of alcohol, who love this movie, and I don't think that happens without the performances of the people. Right. Well, as Leon said that he practices the faith of the devil, <laughs> yeah, the fallen no, one. Absolutely. Absolutely. This yeah. is the soapbox of the fallen one, the Big Lebowski. Yes. <laughs> what else is there to say? <laughs> That's our podcast, yeah. everyone. <laughs> no, but you're so like you get why this is a cult classic. The layers make you feel like you're in like a club, like you're smart, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. You get something nobody else gets. <laughs> but of course, a lot of people get this, but it makes you feel that way. Yes. And, and that's that's the genius of this film. Mm-hmm. And I think it's part. It's it's almost something that you know other Coen Brothers films, such as you know their comedies, Burn After Reading, stuff like that. The reason that hasn't achieved such a claim the lady is killers. because of <laughs> the lady you know these side characters kind of missing. There's no Brant in Burn After Reading. Yeah, you get great performances out of Brad Pitt and George Clooney. And Tilda Swinton. Swinton and John John Malkovich. Right, right. And they're all great in their own right. But you're missing those little pieces that make this a cult classic. I'm digging it. Yeah. And I put up the Lady Killers as a joke. And I I like Tom Hanks. But he doesn't do what Jeff Bridges does to this film. No, the Lady Killers is not even... I don't even want (laughs) to... 
<laughs> we don't discuss that. But the point is, we're meeting halfway here about yeah. side characters and lead sure, characters. Sure, sure. Yeah. We're like, this film, what it does, and what makes it a cult classic is like, acting-wise, everyone's on board. And almost everybody is awesome. Everybody's awesome. Even Larry Sellers. That's what I'm getting at. Why don't you and you find somebody out there and, and start a Larry Sellers podcast or whatever the actor's doing name is. Larry Sellers Fest next year. Please, because you, you are propagating this one character. I think we got to start making shirts and we totally are going to make a Larry Sellers shirt. <laughs> Leon, you can be in charge of our shirt department. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. All right. Well, there's just so much more to talk about, but I I love how much we've talked about our main man, PSH. Listen, if you haven't seen The Big Lebowski, you don't love film. Yeah. No, 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 no. no, no, the, no if you haven't no, seen The Big no. Lebowski, go back to when you were three and grow up again. That's all, that's all <laughs> yeah. I have to say. No, I mean, like, I mean, I just have to do, like, shout outs to, like, scenes. Yes, of, like, please. The, like, we, we have to say, like, I mean, because we really haven't having gotten a lot of Maud again, played by Julianne Moore. The introduction of Jackie Treehorn and the and the dream nightmare thing that the dude has after being drugged by him is just absolutely like what, one of the best scenes. Which of which dream sequence is that? This is the dream sequence of its um, the porn movie. Yeah, it's it's Jackie Treehorn presents. The Gutter Balls, starring, like, the dude and... I love this Maude one. I was so-so about the other fantasies he has. Yeah, because he has the one other fantasy where Maude is on, like, the carpet that's, you know, flying through the sky. It's really around the film, yeah. Yeah, that one That one I'm, I'm not so hot on. Yeah. This one, No, this I is, love. like, a whole other... Yeah. I actually would have been okay if this was the only fantasy. Yeah, well, this is just like a whole. I love it because it's Jackie Treehorn, and it really goes back. It's like a calling back to Maud shows the dude the porno, and uh, you know, it's like you've got Uli who's playing the like you know the maintenance guy, and then you've got Bunny played by Tara Reid in this role or whatever, and he, that like enlightens dude to the situation, and she's like, "You'll never guess what happens next," and he goes, "He fixes the cable." <laughs> <laughs> and I love it because it just transitions perfectly into this like dream sequence that he's like you know like the maintenance guy with this belt, and then Maud is in a Viking costume. You have these ladies, and that's a, that's like that's a poster for the film. I was discussing that before. Yeah, and you have these ladies wearing the pin hats. You have him like rolling under like under these girls, and his the biggest smile on anyone's face, like looking up these women's skirts. You have Saddam Hussein handing his <laughs> shoes. Uh, what what else? Then you have the Germans in the like it's a good dream, but then turns into a nightmare with the Germans in the red onesies chasing the dude with the big scissors because they said that they're gonna chop his dick off. Which it's just one of is it, Johnson. Is Johnson? Yeah, it. Uh, I put. I put it on the side of this note. I put. Is this the best sequence like in movie history? Like it just. It Whoa. Just, okay. In in movie history. It's just. It's just something. There's just well, something. There's seven fast this and furious movie, movies. You have to go through all of yes, those. Yes, we definitely get true. that. This is true. And according to Vin Diesel, he was very much expecting the eighth Fast and Furious to be nominated for an Academy Award, which we're still waiting for the next Academy Awards to tell us so. But, I mean, it, it's just... Well. It, it, it's This film 
again is just like a titan. It really it I um if I I I've been sold before. I love this movie, but really trying to like, you know, like study it and listen to it, I'm head over heels for this movie in ways that I didn't think was like possible. I'm not, I'm not I'm not declaring this is my favorite movie. That's good, I'm glad. Because that's just that's just ridiculous because there's just too many good things out there. Right, Batman Forever. So Yeah, well, yeah that's just out we're not gonna get into that. That was Leon's favorite will, Batman movie out of all spectrum. We will be doing yeah. a film by that. And out director. of respect for Adam West, you're an asshole for saying that. Well as, but, soon, as soon as your Val Kilmer podcast comes out, I will be featured. Yeah, but no, that, uh, again, that most definitely honestly in all no joking aside, I will say this for myself, I won't speak on Brian's behalf. But if I was ever going to do another actor podcast, Val Kilmer would be on the top of the list of choices. I want to be on Top Gun Have fun. and Batman. Forever. Have fun. Find a different co-host, <laughs> please. All right. I'll do the Paulie Shore podcast before that. Wow. Whoa! Before that, it'll be hilarious in the army now. If you didn't hear, I just did an ice Iceman bite. <laughs> you wish you were Iceman. No, I don't wish I was Iceman. I'm gonna make. I, I, but I was I, like a couple months ago. I was watching Top Gun, and for the first time, I realized I was Goose, and I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> oh, that you're Goose. Yeah, I was like, yeah. "Oh man." Well, at least I'm for a while, goose. you got to do Meg Ryan. That's good. I know, but like yeah, again, I, yeah. I'm Goose, and I'm like, "Oh man." Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like the guy that flags them to the left. <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> at least you get to like do it to a Kenny Loggins song. That's pretty yes. cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I choreograph my flag swaps. <laughs> Danger zone, but uh, Julianne Moore though. Yeah, I I, I want to be clear. Like, <laughs> I re- it's just I love her character in this film. It's She's, Samantha, but I don't like ba- finale. I don't love. Yeah, I don't like bangs. Her bangs in this film do it. She so, I mean, she won an Academy Award. She she you know later in her life. Oh, I was yeah. gonna say for this. No, 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 no. <laughs> she's done so many things. <laughs> but. Like first of all, I, if we're going to Julianne Moore podcast and yeah. I was your guest, Kyle, you'd be like, "When when do you first saw Julianne Moore?" Sarah like, Harding lost. Sarah Harding. Yeah. You know, it's, Sarah. Sarah Harding. How many Sarahs are on this? Exactly. Island? Lost World's Jurassic Park. Um, but she's so good. When I look back at her now, she's so good. She's so she is talented. up there with like the Meryl Streeps and yeah, just she's so talented. And in this role, she's so talented. In Boogie Nights, she's so talented. Yeah. If you if you notice in this movie, during her inter- introduction, which is one of the best character introductions the ever to yeah. exist, the flyover, the <laughs> naked zipline flyover of right, painting on the canvas, the v- vagina, Jeff Bridges. Is a red canvas with scissors painted on it. Wow! Forward to the fantasy yeah. of him. Really? They are wearing red, you know, or high fives. That was a high five. Chasing the <laughs> scissors. Damn. This is all subconsciously tied. Yeah, no, and that's what no, and, and, that, that's, and that's part what, of the detail-oriented. It, it, Cohen brothers, and the, well, that's just the natural love, basis you know. of dreams. Like I've, right. I, I don't know, and like I don't read enough, I don't study enough of like the dreams in that space. Enough, but supposedly, you don't read or study, dick. Uh, <laughs> but but supposed, but true. But supposedly, like every face you see in your dreams, you've actually seen before. Like your mind does not create original right. faces. It's so then, no, that's a really. Yeah, it's uh, like they tried to explain it in Inception without being too fucking crazy about it. Right. But point being, 
that that's a, that's an amazing that's a highlights magazine reference right there. Highlights magazine. <laughs> yeah, our next podcast. Yeah, Julianne Moore, the Jackie Treehorn like entrance and everything like that. He come, the girl's getting flipped up on the bed. She again, ladies and gentlemen, you know I love my surprise boobs. This wasn't surprised since I'd seen it before. But those she's getting fl- flown up on the blanket on the beach, and then he just comes up and it's like this very like. I'm Jackie Treehorn, and he's the bad guy from Roadhouse, so that's freaking phenomenal. (laughs) But it's just this movie is just I don't just people I know most likely you've seen it before. If you haven't, you're an idiot, and if you have, watch it three times in a row. Whoa. Yep. If you haven't seen it, you're an, you're yep. an idiot. You just need <laughs> yep. to watch it. All right, then go back in time till when you're three years old, like Leon said. And grow up again. When Leon's up again. Well, so so we, we when do we see Brant again? Like one more time, right? Yes. So the final time, well, uh, the final time we see Brant is that Walter and uh, and the dude go to the house to confront uh, the Big Lebowski, and Bunny is home. She like they they're all of a sudden like, whoa, what is this? And she's got her car, and I love the Viva Las Vegas, which like we see her when she passes by, but the dude doesn't see her. That's what's playing in the car, and so that's just like what's kind of playing in the background from the stereo. And she's inside running around naked. I have to call out <laughs> the dude hating the Eagles. Yeah. Finally, that- somebody else understood how I felt. Wow. Did People- you pick up? shit on me for years for hating the Eagles. But I hate the Eagles. Talk talk about another documentary. There's that like two part documentary, like HBO, it's on Netflix or whatever. Which is a great documentary on the Eagles. And those are you know when you're watching Eagles and you're like, Wow, those guys are actually really like I'm I listen I like you know, like the best of or whatever and I watch that documentary like, Wow, the Eagles are awesome but because it's just like total Eagles propaganda but I get that, and two little interesting trivias, and I'm, I know I'm going on way too much, but I love the fact of when we meet the Jesus, there's a flamenco version of Hotel, Hotel California. Which is, is way better than it, the It's not version. technically flamenco. <laughs> it, it's, I think it's the Gypsy Kings. The Gypsy Kings, right? Which, I mean, the Gypsy Kings were hot at that time. Um, great, great song. And yeah. It's awesome. And, and I like I like what you're saying I like the element of it yeah and so I love that like his nemesis is has the a th- version of the band that when he's in the taxi cab and he says like you know and the cab driver kicks him out I love that it's like this tough black guy that's into the Eagles mm-hmm. that's just kind of funny in its own right <laughs> but uh, not that black people can't like the Eagles but um, <laughs> but I but point being then the, the other interesting thing I found out is that T-Bone Burnett helped with the music selection of this movie and tried to create like the music scape that of the dude and T-Bone Burnett does not like the Eagles and so they created that part of it and then Glenn Fry from the Eagles went up to Jeff Bridges at a party and said like how could you trash talk us (laughs) well Metallica actually Metallica loved that they were referenced in the movie so I saw the Eagles live Wow. Before Glenn Fry died, uh, they put on a great show, and I am not shitting on anyone's grave. I think they did a phenomenal job. They wrote great songs. They did things I could never do in a a thousand years. 
but I hate the fucking Eagles, man. <laughs> the Eagles they concert probably cost you like ninety dollars. They're bad. Uh, no, my dad got the tickets for free. Gotcha, he's, he's in the mafia, so. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Well, all right. I so mean, our last brand scene. Yeah, our last brand scene is just simple. And it's him picking up Bunny's clothes and just briefly explaining stuff to the dude and Walter before they go in and confront the Big Lebowski. And Walter actually picks up the Big Lebowski and drops him because he doesn't think he's a real cripple. How do you, how do you, I have to ask, how do you like the ending of this film? I like it because, so, then after we think, like, everything's all said and done, we're back at the bowling alley, they go out, the car's on fire, the Germans are waiting there. We get one of the greatest lines, like, like multiple lines of all time, of Donnie going, Walter, are these guys Nazis? Are they gonna hurt, are they gonna hurt us, Walter? No, Donnie, they're cowards. <laughs> it's just, and then they have, and Walter bites off a guy's ear. Dude is just trying to flay the one guy with like his bowling bag. The thing I love about this movie, well, the whole time the dude is trying to hand the guy four dollars. Yeah, which is all he has. Here's four dollars. Just take just, the four dollars, yeah. man. It's Walter four, and, and is total badass. Finally so realize that Walter is the real deal. Yeah, he throws he the bowling ball and hits a big game flea the in the gut. Yeah. But this is where he really Holy shows he's shit. the real yeah. deal. The way he beats on that guy. He, yeah, again, he throws the bowling ball into you Flea's can see guts. Who, you can see he's back in Nam. He yeah. bites his ear off and well, spits it in the well, air. Well, you know if that's part, not you know, the you, real deal. But you know what's a perfect buildup is like the scene before this when they're in the bowling alley. He just has this whole, again, he has his rant about Nam. But he just has this one particular thing of, of where the adversary and these guys in Desert Storms aren't worthy adversaries. And he says, me and Charlie, eyeball to eyeball, this was a worthy adversary. So I just love that's that he's combat, about man. to come up to like, you know, his next like adversary, and maybe not worthy adversary, but, you know, throws the bowling ball into Flea's gut, he's down for the count, Uli has the sword or whatever, or he and Walter get close enough that Walter ends up biting his ear and spitting up into the air, you said, like, and then dude's got the four bucks and is just, like, using his bowling ball bag, like, trying to keep away the guy that's in, uh, fu- uh, Funny People. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I know he's the doctor in Funny People. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He had Boom. his own show on HBO for a while, right? No, you're totally thinking of the British guy. No, yeah. Well, he's British, yeah. Nope. Totally thinking of it. You're thinking of Stephen Merchant. What's the name of that show? <laughs> Stephen Merchant show, HBO show. Oh, God. Hello, ladies. Hello, hello ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what we're <laughs> <laughs> No, British versus German. Okay. Ally versus right. Axis. Anyway, Donnie has a heart attack, dies. They go and they don't even want to pay for an urn, so they put it in the coffee can. Walter's I a- would have cried if this whole play out wasn't so hysterical. Well, yeah. Donnie, I love it because well, how does he die, right? Like just he's a heart attack heart from attack. like the nervousness of the heart attack of the nervousness. Is not even the fight? I I actually like to think the heart attack started because again in that scene where they're bowling, he doesn't get a strike and he's just looking at the single pin. <laughs> and so true. I'd like to think that's where it like compounded from, and that's then it true. just was pushed along by these nihilists and cowards. <laughs> so in total Cohen comedy fashion Walter gives this long speech he belongs on the beach yada, you know all that stuff and then throws 
Donnie's remains out into the wind, and they all just there's that great close up of the dude of Jeff Bridges, and the remains just fly into his face with the sunglasses on. He's just sitting, he's just standing there. And Walter rubs like a little bit off himself, like oh shit, and he turns around, and realizes <laughs> that the dude got all of Donnie in his face, and then they just go bowling in, and we get our other Sam Elliott of talking with the dude and he just goes you know he's talking with him and he just goes the dude abides and he's like there's a comfort in that there's a there's a comfort of that and he just knows that he's taking it easy for all us sinners so honestly again i think sam elliott is god and dude is jesus not the jesus but is jesus he's got some similarities and this guy is saying he's taking it easy for all of us sinners so that's my uh, that's my general thesis of this film. If Fair. I, I don't know if there's over analysis of the film or it's just it's so layered that you can analyze it so much. It leaves you satisfied. No. Like more, more so then. I I think it leaves you more satisfied than you even need to be. This is like uh, this is a Thanksgiving dinner version of a film. Right. They complete every part of the story. Yep. Uh, so so let's tie our guy, right? Philip Hoffman. You like his role? You like what he does here? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I get, I mean, I can't wait till we get to some, like, bigger roles, like some, like, full... But this is a lot of, this is a thing that a lot of people have mentioned this film with, like, one of the first places that they've seen him or they... they yeah, this definitely falls into that category of like an early, you know, noticing of Philip Seymour And Sure, definitely. He, no one went to watch The Big Lebowski, or even in later years, no one like turned on The Big Lebowski or put the maybe maybe you, Leon, but no one put The Big Lebowski DVD in and said, "I want to watch this for Philip Seymour Hoffman." But he he comes to this film and he brings it. You know, Brant is a, is just like amazing. At what Brant needs to be forced, fake, a salesman, like you said, like a like a waspy, a perfect phony. I, that's <laughs> yes, that's I a good way to put it. it. A perfect phony. And and you know, I think one of the things I found fascinating with him in this movie, and one of the things you know, when people would ask me about the Big Lebowski, and you know, Brant is one of my favorite characters in this movie, and people are like, oh, who the hell is Brant? Yeah. And I have to kind of explain it to them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're nuts. You know, there's so yeah. many great performances in this movie. But, you know, yeah, I guess I tie of, it back to yeah. kind of, I, I'm a guy, I, I'm into weird things. You know, I like, <laughs> I like pens. I like light fixtures. I'm very into lamps so and Asperger, light fixtures. Like, like, like sconces and stuff. You, you <laughs> could say there's a mile retardation there. Uh, You're you know, on I, the set I, spectrum. I walk into a room <laughs> and there's all these great things and I like the light fixture hanging from the middle of the room. Do you love lamp? And, and that's kind lamp? of... Yeah, I love lamp. Yeah. And that's kind of... Leon, do you that's actually love the lamp? That's kind of Brant in this movie. You know, he's the light fixture in the corner. You know, he's not yeah. He's not the couch. He's not the carpet. He's not the rug that ties yeah. the room together. No, 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 he's no this, you're right. He's this piece that could so easily not be there and the room is still great on its own. But the light fixture really makes it this encompassing, you know, experience that 
kind of soaks you in. I needed another fucking high five. And that is Philip Seymour Hoffman in this movie. Oh my god, glorious! Thank you, thank you. You've made us feel like we have a purpose in our life. (laughs) Astute. You're a gentleman and a scholar. I I try. Big Lebowski. I've actually asked this question to a lot of like film people, but overrated, underrated, exactly where it needs to be. Falling into that weird, like, you know, like, if people are going into Hot Topic and buying, like, Big Lebowski's shirt. I don't know. There's just that weird, awkward, gray area of it's meant for uncool people, but then people tried to make it cool. You know, I, I don't want to sound that way I right now. I kind of get what you're saying, and I would say overrated in the aspect of I think people love this movie but don't truly appreciate, you know, what it needs to be. Yeah. Well, people, if you don't listen to this episode, you clearly right. don't. Yeah. And people, <laughs> people love this movie. They overrate it because they're rating it so high for the wrong reasons. Yeah, they're probably just focusing on the dude and Walter the whole time. Right. And honestly, then like and, you uh, be... oh, it's a it's a stoner comedy. It's the yes. best stoner and I, comedy again, ever. I think but I it's think better that's than so that. unfair to call this a stoner comedy. Right. It's probably right. a lot like, of assholes like, from California that feel this way. Harold and Kumar. That's a stoner comedy. Yeah, I, I, dude, I love where's my car? Stoner movie. Like uh, I'm not again, and I'm not a stoner, obviously. Like no. you know, you know me. But this movie's not that. The dude happens to be a stoner. Right. But it's not like... Oh. It still doesn't but define also, his character. Nothing. Yeah, nothing is predicated by his... Except the dreams, I guess. Also, if it wasn't held in such regard... Like, right now we're saying, like, okay, overrated, but by the wrong people. But that's probably the hipster in us. Because honestly, <laughs> if it wasn't as appreciated as it is, we'd probably be sitting here going, it's underrated. They should be having Lebowski fests and appreciating <laughs> oh, this movie. But that, we got, know, we like have crazy. to put it in the perspective of what other people... Like, when we say overrated, underrated, it's just the general rating. It's I would say this, and correct me if I'm wrong, underrated on like critics or on tomatoes, like 81%. I think it's an over 81% film. Yes. But it's it could be overrated if people just like feed into the cult of it too much and not enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, again, that like the fact that like freaking I mean, hey, we're we're totally feeding into it by drinking white Russians. But, <laughs> yes. but just like, but that really is like the fact that white Russians like then like people have that, or just the fact that like there's clearly and I'm guilty of having shirts. But it's a movie that has sh- multiple well, you, shirts. Haven't made you from dressed it. as a dude for Halloween? Did I was the dude for Halloween one time. <laughs> once. Uh, I had white Russians at your house that year, and they were phenomenal. Thank you. I do make a mean white Russian, but I digress. Um, <laughs> it's just it. It's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't, and right. it's just a movie that everyone needs to watch. I'll say this. I'll piggyback on you. Yeah, it's a movie everyone needs to watch, but it's a movie that everyone needs to watch again. Yes, it's not just like yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. of like it's better second, third time, fourth time in, mm-hmm. and going forward. First time, I'm not gonna say Multiple you're not gonna helpings. like it, yeah. but like you, you, like like Leon, you were saying. Like, you've seen it 60 or something times, and you notice new things every time you see it. Every single time. It's so layered, and that's what makes it great. So, Leon, where can people find you, find your artwork, find 
just contact uh, you if they want uh, to honestly, be a fanboy to you. I am a true starving artist, so not many places right now. <laughs> But uh, I do have cmangandesigns.com. I will be uploading the Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast artwork to that, mm. as well as you know some new artwork. So spell that out for so us. So yeah, C uh, C M A N G A N Designs D E S I G A. I don't even know. <laughs> designs. dot com. Dot com. <laughs> A hard D on the Is there any place people, people can contact you if they want to just... 201. Uh, yeah, my, con- <laughs> <laughs> well, my contact information is all on the website. Oh, and perfect, any, perfect. Anything great, they can great. find there. Well, uh, well, thanks so much for coming on with us. We, yeah, know, this we, was, we had a blast yeah, chatting. So much fun. Yes, I mean, we could probably chat for another three hours I know. if we yeah. wanted to. I mean, if you want to start this Val Kilmer podcast right now. <laughs> That'll be, uh, maybe you and I will move on to... Perhaps we're up. Yeah. Um, so, so, Kyle, next week we have Happiness. Happiness. That should be an interesting episode. That's going to be a real... If Boogie Nights really like opened up with talking about things, I've definitely uh, we, opened up my dialogue today of... Yeah, we got a, we got a little vulgar stretch here. Yeah, ha- Happiness, <laughs> boy, get ready to see see some stuff. Yes, if you're going to watch and or listen, listen to, to some this, stuff. Yeah, at least listen, listen to some stuff. <laughs> Um, we've got the delightful Ann Paz joining us on that. Yeah, very excited for her. I've never met her, but she's a friend of yours. So yes. Super excited to meet her and just talk about this film with her, which is a very polarizing film. Yes, but you know. she was full steam ahead and like, this is the one I'd like to be on. So Awesome. Kudos awesome. Kudos to great. her. So once again, thank you. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you, Leon. Absolutely. Thank you, Chip. Thank you. Yes, all three of us. <laughs> uh, thank you for having us. Yeah. <laughs> So as always, guys, like, follow, share, subscribe. Just send us a message. We're on Facebook. Yeah. We love the feedback. You guys are giving us great feedback. Just, yeah. just let's talk. I mean, we'll talk your ear off. As you can tell, you probably like, wow, you guys have talked for too long. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> just please share and get and, stuck in traffic and listen to us. <laughs> yes, pl- please. Leon, I'm gonna throw it to you. You know the finishing line. And as always, stay uncool, Hoff fans. Sexy things, sexy things. I believe in miracles.